And I'm very, very pleased to be able to spend this portion of the Monday morning show with Randall Tucker, who is Chief Inclusion Officer for MasterCard. So every time you pull out that MasterCard out of your wallet, uh, Randall Tucker is part of that story as Chief Inclusion Officer, and he has served in that capacity with other companies as well. So this is something that is a very important concept to him and kind of the heart and soul of much of his professional life. He's coming to Carthage this Thursday, uh, the 14th of March, uh, to speak on the topic of inclusion. And uh, actually, the topic of his talk on Thursday is how MasterCard fosters a culture of inclusion and why it's good for business. And we're going to be talking about that for the next few minutes with Randall Tucker. And Mr. Tucker, I appreciate you making time in your busy schedule for our conversation, and we welcome you to the Thanks. morning show. Thanks so much, Greg, for your, uh, your invite. So tell us, first of all, a little bit about where you are from originally and your background and how your background led you to uh, a professional life that deals with matters of of diversity and, and inclusion. Has that somehow been an important theme in your life from early on or something that uh, entered your life a little later? Well, you know what? In hindsight, it has. Um, and, and you asking the question kind of brought up a few memories for me. So I grew up on a um, farm in southern Virginia. Uh, in Carson, Virginia, to be exact. Um, and then literally a train was running through the middle of the town. And I knew, uh, even though I loved where I grew up, I knew that that was not going to be the place where I lived um, in my adulthood. And I had an opportunity um, after college, and um, I majored in hotel management as well as in marketing. And I had an opportunity to move to Washington, D.C., where I got the flavor of living in the big city life, so to speak, and I knew that that was home for me. Um, it looked, it, you know, when I when I was growing up, I'm a gay black kid. They grew up on a farm, of course. Um, diversity has always been top of mind for me. Was it something that I thought about um, every day? No, but I know that difference does matter. Um, and the way that I got into the diversity space was I took a leap. My background was in sales as well as in project management, and I had an opportunity within an organization to be a part of their diversity communications and communi uh, community affairs team as the coordinator. I was the low man on the totem pole, and I got a chance to learn all three of those areas. And just through life and through experiences where people took chances on me, uh, diversity and inclusion became my subject matter expertise. And so... Uh, you know, almost 20 years later, I've been able to build um, global strategy and have many different experiences around the world and doing this work um, that led from me taking a leap from that uh, dirt road in Virginia that has led me to where I am now. Great story. Uh, I know that before MasterCard, you were uh, Senior Director of Inclusion and Diversity at Darden Restaurants, and I think that is a firm that operates a number of different restaurant chains that a lot of people would, would, would recognize. So that's just about as big a deal as, as doing what you do now for, for MasterCard. How common is it for corporations like Darden Restaurants or MasterCard to have somebody working there in your capacity? I mean, do most large companies have 
inclusion officers? And uh, and if so, how recent a phenomenon is this? At at what point did companies begin to take this issue uh, this seriously? Right, and so. Um uh, I actually, I cut my teeth in doing this work at Starwood Hotels and Resorts, um, even prior to Darden. So um, that's where um, I, I actually learned the craft of, of inclusion and diversity. Um, the evolution of diversity functions has evolved over um, decades, I would say. One from a compliance where the government has mandated certain requirements around hiring and uh, from a supplier perspective of if you work for the government, can you account for making sure that all communities are involved in your process um, to actually strategic around how do companies leverage differences of perspective to help drive business results and attract the best and brightest talent. So this, um, this role um, has been in place in many Fortune 500 companies for, for decades, um, just the focus of the work may have shifted um, based on the evolution of how organizations think about the work. When you think about inclusion for a place like MasterCard, what kinds of inclusion or what kinds of diversity are you specifically talking about? And what are the issues that are, in a sense, especially important to you or especially crucial to give attention to? Right. I think we have to first back up and, and define what we're talking about. And, you know, every organization has a different view of how they define diversity as well as inclusion. Um, at MasterCard, we define diversity as all the things that make us both similar as well as different, um, things you can see about folks and then there's things you can't see about people. Um, and none of us are a carbon copy of each other, and so therefore we're all diverse. Um, when we think about inclusion, sometimes people just say diversity and inclusion, and they kind of lump it all together. But at MasterCard, um, it's a very specific definition around how well leaders are able to build diverse teams as well as keep them. I could have gone into a very much more scientific way of putting that, but in the layman's term, everyone can grasp how well are you able to build diverse teams and keep them. Um, and so with that broad definition of diversity, the way that I do it globally is understand from a regional perspective, whether I'm in Asia Pacific or I am in our Middle East region or I'm in North America or in Latin America, that inclusion definition or that diversity definition looks a little bit different um, as to what things I'm tackling. So in the U.S., I might be tackling how do we increase the representation of people of color within senior-level roles. Or in the Middle East, I might be working with how do you focus on nationalization if organizations are held to um, higher talent that is local to that region and not bring in ex um, expats. Or if I'm in Asia and we're talking about, you know, um, representation of women at senior levels. So it depends on where I am in the world where I'm able to parachute in, diagnose where some of the gaps are based on data and understanding where leaders want to go. That's what drives the conversation. So it's not uh, what does Randall want to do. It's more of I mean, listening to the organization and solving for things that the business uh, sees as things that they want to tackle. Hmm. 
I'm I'm so glad that you mentioned the fact that the work you do is of a global nature. And I wasn't sure when I saw that in your biography. Once in a while, we use the term globally to mean more sort of just comprehensively. We don't literally mean around the globe. And I think you're using that term quite literally, meaning that we're not just talking about here in the United States, but all over the world, of course, where MasterCard has a presence. It reminds me of something that came up recently uh, about a a certain uh, Protestant church in the United States, or I mean, but it's actually a church that has a presence everywhere that just had a a, a vote uh, regarding uh, the gay and lesbian community, and uh, it it was a a more conservative vote and, and let's say, kind of an exclusionary vote than had been perhaps anticipated. And one of the things I read about why that church body voted as it did uh, in, in, in a way that was viewed as unkind to the, to the gay and lesbian community is because that church actually has quite a presence in other parts of the world that tend not to be as inclusively minded when it comes to gay and lesbians than we have come to be here in the United States. Not to be too simplistic, of course, there are plenty of people in the United States that have serious issues, but, but by and large, we have an openness here in the United States uh, and a sense of justice for that community that is not present uh, everywhere around the world at all. So, for instance, for you as chief inclusion officer, when it comes to an issue like that in other parts of the world that might not see something like that the way we tend to here in the United States, are you saying that it is left to the locals and their own culture and beliefs and customs to... uh, to kind of shape the policy that uh, that they will follow, or or is there kind of a happy medium between uh, trying to be open to those possibilities and yet really staying faithful to certain bedrock principles that cannot be compromised? Got it. Uh, so there's a lot to unpack there. And from your example, I think many organizations, many people are actually on their own journey around and being inclusive um, as well as diverse. But what I can say about MasterCard is that um, we do uh, hold the rule of law uh, in high regard to anything that we do as an organization because that's the overlay of when we're in a certain part of the world, we must obey what law looks like because what we don't want to do, especially in the case of someone that's LGBT, do something that would expose them and put their life at some point in danger. Hmm. But what I can say that is if within the four walls of our buildings and our offices, we want to create safe space that no matter who you are, where you come from, what you look like, or what your wrapping is, that you are invited, welcomed, and respected within our organization. Now, it might look a little bit differently outside of the world because we can't sometimes control that, but we can control inside to make sure that everyone feels valued and respected. Hmm. For those of you just joining us, I'm speaking with Randall Tucker, who is Chief Inclusion Officer for MasterCard. We are speaking with him today because uh, Mr. Tucker is actually going to be a special guest of Carthage College and giving a public presentation this Thursday, the 14th of March. And um, we're appreciative of Mr. Tucker making time in a very busy schedule to join us for a few minutes to talk about uh, what what uh, the, the importance of the work that he does at, at MasterCard. Uh, so you have been at this, that is the business of inclusion and diversity, for, for some years now. In general, uh, I mean, 
in terms of the entire business sector, not just in the companies for which you've worked, although that's obviously where you uh, have the most direct observational expertise, how would you chart the progress that has been made in terms of the matter of diversity and, and inclusion uh, being taken seriously and implemented in meaningful ways? What kind of progress have we made over the last couple of decades? You know what? Uh, past couple of decades, I think that um, I can speak to the work that I've done that I think has been um, made, that's made progress. But I do applaud organizations that look at this work from a different lens of just compliance. Uh, I need to do this because the government is making me do it. Um, to more of how do we think about all the variety of perspectives that are in the organization and how do you fully leverage those perspectives at each and every level of the organization, especially in senior level roles, um, in decision-making roles, where people are able to help problem-solve as, as well as innovate based on their view of the world. And when you get all these people together, that's when you can have some really magical stuff happen. Um, I think the progress from my perspective that I've been able to bring to organization is greater relevance, and I think greater relevance equals I'm helping you support your business strategy, um, as well as making sure that we formally understand what we're talking about. So when I kind of backed up and said earlier, this is how we define diversity, this is how we define inclusion, I think we all need to be on the same page with what we're talking about. Um, of course, I've had external rec uh, recognitions where I've helped organizations to be top employers for diversity, whether it be the Human Rights Campaign or Diversity, Inc., or Bloomberg uh, have been recognized for that. But I think the one thing that I, that I have loved in my, my job is not taking a one-size-fits-all approach. So when I said this is what diversity inclusion looks like in Asia versus uh, North America versus uh, in Europe, not taking a one-size-fits-all approach where everyone does the same thing, but making it make sense for that local region, because that's the work that I do with Global. And um, I think that in the efforts of trying to be diverse and inclusive, sometimes if we're not looking at the needs of the local area, we miss the point. Hmm. You've touched on uh, something I was very anxious uh, to talk with you about, which is uh, what are some of the commonly made mistakes when a company is trying to be serious about uh, diversity and, and inclusion? And I'm sure uh, mistakes get made all the time. And I suspect that one of the most commonly made mistakes is what you were just touching on, uh, the idea of, in a sense, trying to do this very simply and rather bluntly by adopting some sort of one-size-fits-all policy that, in fact, does not necessarily fit various situations and various scenarios all that, all that well. What else do you think companies tend to not do quite right, or what, what sorts of mistakes are commonly made by companies who are trying to do the right thing but maybe don't always do it in quite the right way? You know, I, you know. Again, I, I'm going to speak to myself and my learnings, or and how I've evolved as a leader. Um, I think some of the things that I've learned um, to do differently or to think about differently have been in my desire, or in an organization's desire to be inclusive, not leaving anyone out 
of the equation, um, especially white straight men, um, because this work could easily have a slippery slope of we're focusing on those people over there or this group of people instead of saying, at the end of the day, all we're trying to figure out is what perspective is missing at the table. And so I am just as important and just as, you know, passionate about making sure the white straight guy is at the table as is the African-American woman or the LGBT employee. And I think that's something that's really important because this work is a big turnoff to a lot of people because they think that, you know, you're trying to weave them out of a conversation or out of a job. And so that is not the, that is not the intent at all. The other thing is forcing pe people to do something or forcing the organization to do something that is not ready to do. It's a collaborative process. It's not a, uh, you know, a hammer approach where you're kind of beating your, your fist on the table saying we need more of this group um, or, or something like that. But it's more of let's figure out what are the data points that are leading to um, giving the organization the data that it needs in order to make an informed decision. Mm. And so that will chart where they want to go. Um, and so not that bullying approach. Um, and then again, as I said earlier, not that one-size-fits-all um, model where you actually look at from a regional basis what's most important to them. Mm. I think when people from the outside looking in raise concerns or questions about uh, matters of diversity uh, in a given company. I think the concern that perhaps gets raised uh, about as often as any is the possibility that somebody may be elevated into a position for the sake of diversity, for the sake of being inclusive, and it may be a position that, in fact, is is not a great match for them, or they may be promoted beyond what their expertise or, or experience might might otherwise suggest or warrant uh, for the sake of diversity or, or inclusiveness. I think you know what I'm getting at here. What would you yeah. say to someone who raises a concern like that? And, for instance, at a place like MasterCard, how do you shape your policy so, so those kind of mistakes that uh, do not serve the company nor nor the person in question well uh, so those those kind of mistakes uh, are, are, are are likely to be avoided you know uh, you know every organization I've been in that doesn't you know even at MasterCard has been we want to find the best and brightest talent and we know that best and brightest talent comes in many different shapes and sizes and colors and backgrounds uh, and so that right there there is no sacrifice for the quality of talent that we're trying to put um, into each and every level of the organization. And so one of the things that sometimes um, organizations do, I mean, that's their prerogative that they want to do it, um, but is in implementing quotas. And sometimes giving quotas, um, you know, it's sometimes hard for organizations to do that and then back up and say, well, we found the best person, but then you had some number to meet. Um, and so it, it, in the implementation of something like a quota, sometimes organizations get into a corner where the person in the role was just put in the role just because they have a certain background. Um, and so if that's the case, sometimes the organization doesn't get the talent that it needs. And then sometimes you set that person up for failure uh, because they're not ready for the role. And that's not been the approach that I've had in any of my um, my role in any organization, including including MasterCard. Hmm. 
a last question. Uh, you you followed someone in in this, I believe, this same position or largely the same position who had been at Mastercard for 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 quite a long time. I'm just curious when you came aboard, and I'm not sure exactly how long ago that was, but uh, was it a case of of taking solid policies that were already in in place and just making sure that they continued to be implemented properly and maybe polished in the details? Or have there been any ways in which you have tried to reshape MasterCard's approach to matters of inclusion and diversity? You know, I think, um, you know, even in organizations that I've left, I think it's more of a platform was created, and so it's a handing off of a baton um, to both reshape as well as continue work that had been done. And so that's a case of what happened within MasterCard. And so someone was in the role um, quite a few years, and even before that person, someone was in this role. Um, I think it's just me adding my authentic as well as my expertise of how I know how to lead this work um, to, to you know, further drive inclusion and diversity um, progress within the organization. Randall Tucker is Chief Inclusion Officer for MasterCard, and uh, he will be coming to Carthage College uh, this Thursday, the 14th, to give a talk titled, How MasterCard Fosters a Culture of Inclusion and Why It's Good for Business. Randall Tucker, I really appreciate the time you've taken to speak with me, and uh, I uh, appreciate uh, all that you do around this uh, very important topic for MasterCard. We wish you safe travels and best wishes. Thank you so much, Greg, and I look forward to being at the college next week.